0: Hey there, friends. Um, welcome to today's podcast. Today's movie that I decided to do was um, It Comes at Night, which is actually, I think a lot of people look at it as a horror movie, like a psychological horror movie. Um, but it does deal with um, sort of this super highly contagious plague disease that happens. Um, it was actually uh, released back in 2017. If you have not seen it, um, go find it. It comes at night. It is a bit spooky. It's definitely um, a little rough. Um, you know, it's it's a dystopian film. It's a it's a plague film, so it's not going to be you know huge amounts of fun. So so basically, um, the, the gist of it is is that this super contagious plague um, hits and there's this family that's sort of hiding out in the woods um, trying to uh, keep away from people and just survive Uh, the husband's name is Paul uh, the wife is Sarah and they have a son named Travis and uh, like the opening scene is basically the movie's kind of trippy like you don't ever really know exactly what is real and what sort of delusion um so I recommend watching it once through and then sort of watching it again like you know a couple of weeks later and I think it's one of those things like it's kind of like when you watch like the sixth sense and you're like oh shit everybody was dead you know what I mean like you're just like oh I get it now. And I think that that'll help a lot. So, you know, they're they're hanging out in the woods. In what I'm guessing is their cabin. Because um, they, they talk about it like that. There was the grandfather, Bud, um, who I guess gets sick and they have to kill him to put him out of his misery and then burn the body. Um, you know, and there's this whole thing about sort of this euthanasia type vibe to it like there is no helping there there is no cure Um, what's even more I think psychologically damaging besides the fact that this is highly contagious um, is the fact that people sort of lose their minds when they get this and we're going to go into that in terms of um, illness and what sort of things happen when you get these extreme type diseases that we kind of can have some comparisons to in the real world? You know, there are some diseases that we can sort of compare this unknown disease in the movie to. Um, it's never really said, um, it's just they're sort of out there surviving. Um, so after they have to put the grandfather down, Bud. They have someone sort of breaks into their house Um, and Paul, the father, takes this guy and like ties him to a tree um, and puts a bag over his head to confirm. I guess, honestly, I think they did it just to to make sure that he wasn't actually, uh, that he didn't have the disease because I guess the turnaround for this disease is pretty fast. Um, that guy's name that they tied to the tree as well. Um, he says, from the get-go, I didn't know anyone was in the house. It looks abandoned. And when you look at it, yeah, they, they sort of just had the house boarded up. It did look abandoned. So I think he was just trying to get in to look for, you know, food and, and water. Um, so after, like, Paul sort of really grilling this guy Um, they come up with let's make a trade Will says that um, mostly he was looking for water fresh water um, That they have some animals and they have food and um, you know let us come here it'd be better to team up and protect things and and Paul at first is like no and I guess he finally sort of comes around to it and he starts driving um Paul starts driving Will to get his family. They get ambushed um and at first Paul was just like oh this is you did this and this was a part. this is all part of the plan and uh, you know it's it ends up being BS. Um, Will ends up having to kill one of the guys. Uh, so anyway, Paul brings back Will and uh, his wife and their son, and um, they have these rules, these really sort of like strict rules um, for living in this house. And I think that uh, the other family, you know, like Will's family, are, are are sort of all about it because one, they've been on their own, sort of. Struggling, I think everyone's struggling. And sometimes you just need rules. I mean, to be honest, as a society, we have rules. You know, does everyone like following the rules? No. But I mean, it, for in the grand scheme of things, it really does um, keep us safe. So some of the rules they have is that there's only one entrance, right? And it's this red door. So you'll know when you see the movie. It's like this red door. Um, and they keep that locked. Only Paul or his wife uh, have the key around their neck. They don't go out at night. um, Basically to, it's just not safe to go out at night. So either way. um, And they sort of start divvying up like the workload. um, And sort of, it, it seems like a nice little get together, but you can tell Paul is super super paranoid and doesn't believe much of anything um that Will says like he's always trying to sort of catch him in a lie um and I think that's just the paranoia from sort of being stuck out in the woods now granted you're, you're stuck with people that you know so at least you have some interaction but when you're sort of in a survival situation where all you're doing is all the work to just survive there isn't a lot of socialization anymore and that sort of reminded me of the fact that um with covid one of the things i've been dealing with is that um i'm very introverted i never particularly cared for going out much. And so when they were like, oh, you just can't go anywhere. I was like, cool. I don't fucking want to go outside anyway. Um, And I found that I am much more introverted to the point where it can be kind of a problem. Um, I've also, it's almost as if like a lot of us don't know how to interact anymore. People are still wearing masks. You know, do whatever you're gonna do. I'm not gonna be whatever. I'm wearing a mask. I have MS, and I and I don't wanna. I don't wanna see what could possibly happen if I have COVID, if I get COVID. Um, you know, so I'm wearing a very high quality mask. And so when you're interacting with people, like there's no more sort of like those visual cues of is that person smiling? Is that whatever? Um, as a woman, though, it's kind of nice to not hear from a man, oh, you should smile more. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, shut up. That's the dumbest thing in the world for you to say to anyone. First off, it's fucking creepy. If you're a guy and you've ever said that to a woman, you're fucking creepy. Um, so it's kind of hard because you're you're used to sort of just interacting. And it's a complete sidebar. You know, I'll let you into my life a little bit here. We went to temple over the weekend We're Jewish. It was the first time we went in person and there's social distancing, there's masks, blah, blah, blah. But the problem is when you're like a new person, people sort of like flock towards you like, Ooh, new members. And they get really like stoked about it. And the whole time I could feel people sort of looking at us like, who are the new people? And it made me paranoid. Because the only person I really interact with on a day to day basis in person is my wife and like the people that I interact with in terms of like going to the grocery store, the gas station, things like that. But like, I don't like I didn't know how to be and I needed to decompress really hard after that. So I would imagine if if this COVID thing was far, far worse, if it was on the scale that is in this movie. I probably would have been much more paranoid than Paul was. Like, I I, I give it to him. And it's hard to have those social interactions. You're looking for, like, is this person just here to take all my stuff, to kill my family, to take over my house? And so I get it. But either way, so they're living there. And, you know, like, um, Will is teaching Travis how to cut wood and things like that. And they have like these, like I said, these rules set up where like one person's always on guard, other people are working, so on and so forth. Um, And at some point, I mean, they have a dog. Um, I forget the dog's name. Stan or Stanley, Stanley, that's what it was. Anyway, at some point, Stanley starts barking, um, in the woods during the day and runs off and chases something and gets lost. And Paul takes his son home and he's like, we gotta go. We, like, We cannot go chasing him. We have no idea where he's going. And it's just not safe. I mean, these people, they, they put on full-on respiratory type mask and things like that to, to interact with people. So they're certainly not going to go chasing after the dog. Um, and... Paul just kind of tells Travis, like, you know, Stanley knows where we are. Like, he knows the woods. He'll he'll be back. He'll find his way home. <clears throat> um, and it was that night that Paul and and Will were sort of having a drink together, and there was some contradiction to um, Will's story, and Paul just sort of like harps on that. And and that's the thing about this movie. It's very much a psychological. Because you can really think to yourself, okay, if I was Paul and, like, part of your story sort of fell through, what would I do? Like, you're living in my house. I, I sleep here. Um, you know, so I, I get it. Um, things start getting super weird after that. Um, once the dog sort of goes missing and, and things get a little, a little wonky. Um, and we're going to go into the actual physiological reasons why some of these things could go wrong. So at some point, Travis, the teenage son, finds, uh, Andrew, which is the little kid sleeping on the floor of his grandpa's old room. Um, and the kids like having a nightmare. So Travis takes him back and, um, puts him to, to bed with his parents or whatever. And, um, then he hears, like, a noise downstairs. The door is open, which is bizarre, right? Because it shouldn't be open. They have a key they wear around their neck. Um, He wakes up Will and uh, Paul. And then they find the dog pretty much half dead on the floor. So they have to kill the dog and, and do the whole uh, cremating thing um, Travis says to them, like, no, the door was open. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? And then Travis had said, oh, like, I think Andrew was sleepwalking. Maybe he opened it. Um... And then as they're arguing, there's like a whole bunch of stuff. Just It just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, everybody decides they're going to quarantine in a separate room for a couple of days so they can calm down and make sure no one is sick. Um, and then Travis starts to have nightmares. Like he has this nightmare about his grandfather. It's terrifying. Um, Travis also likes to sort of eavesdrop. On this family a lot and that happens a few times and I think that just comes from not having like any kind of entertainment and just being sort of um, enthralled with having new people and new things around but you can see he's kind of awkward and and weird too. Um, Kim basically tells Will listen we gotta go. Travis convinces his parents that the little kid is sick um and that he might be sick too so everybody starts putting on like masks and there's guns drawn and blah 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 and will basically says to Paul just give him a fair share of food and water and they'll leave and you know um, a huge fight happens and um, Sarah ends up shooting Will and Kim is running with Andrew and Paul shoots at them and ends up killing the kid and ends up having to kill, um, the mom. So then later, um, you find out that it was actually Travis that was sick. and that's pretty much the, the end of the movie, basically, you know, everyone dies. So, I, you know, I think that this movie, I, it got really good ratings. Like, it got really good ratings, but I don't think enough people saw it, um, especially if you're under psychological horror and things like that. It's a good movie. Um, but there's a lot to take from it in terms of survival. And in terms of like what we're dealing with with COVID and sort of keeping yourself safe, but also having these weird social cues that you keep missing and the ability to interact with people and how we've all gotten so amped up about everything, Um, you know, whether it's, you feel the need to share your opinion with people about shit that's none of your business. Like, I, I don't know, I'm one of those people, drink your water, mind your business. Like at this stage of the game, I can't with you. I'm not gonna have the conversation about what's contagious, what's not, what you should be doing. What I know what I'm gonna be doing. Um, And that's all I can do now. So what we're gonna get into next is sort of the signs and symptoms of of well-known diseases and plagues and how that may have sort of played into this movie because in this movie, they don't define what this plague is. They don't define what this sickness is. This is like a drastic thing where all of a sudden everything is cut off. There is no television, radio. People are not getting information they need. Just a catastrophic plague type thing has happened. And people are shutting themselves in and basically killing each other for the basics that they need in life. So we're going to get into some of the reasonings behind the nightmares, the visions, and things like that. So on like another personal note, um, back in the day, I actually had swine flu. Like, it was, what was that, 2008, 2009? When that whole thing sort of went down. Like, So we were going through like a massive recession and housing bubble thing and then um my whole family got hit with swine flu um and that's back when they were just giving tamiflu out and there was like a tamiflu shortage and basically they would just give you like uh, liquid codeine and hope it all worked out so i recall being um we had this big sectional couch and um Basically, everyone was laying on this couch because everyone had it in the house. So there was uh, four of us in the house, and um, just all of us laying on this huge sectional couch. Um, someone sort of being in charge for running to get water and like things like that. I, you know, being the adult in the house at the time was kind of hard because there was there were kids. Um, so uh, prior marriages or there, there were kids so you kind of had to even though you felt like hot garbage you had to still take care of of your kids and um yeah. <clears throat> i recall having a pretty nasty um sort of cough and all around feeling just like disgusting the worst of it though was the fevers Um, and actually, I think it was only the kids got the Tamiflu, because we weren't even, we couldn't even get it for ourselves, we just gave it to the kids, and, um, the the, the actual fever, it was so hot, like, I, 104, something, it was like, like a ridiculous fever. When you're an adult, anything over, like, 102 makes you feel like you're gonna fucking die, and no matter what we took or did, it didn't really matter. Like your body was just on fire. And I remember having these really, really just fucked up dreams and like what I would consider possibly hallucinations. Um, Like I saw family members who had passed and like, and that scared the shit out of me because you're just like, am I dying? Am I dying because I'm seeing this? And it's mostly because your fucking, your brain is on fire, you know? And like, and, and they always say, you know, you dream so your body goes to these restful whatevers. Um, but like, here I am, like basically sort of fighting for my life in my living room because there was no um, real treatment for it other than like stay hydrated. Um, And I remember like hearing things and seeing things and having to be like the adult in the room, one of the adults in the room, you know. Um, Thankfully we were kind of with it enough where we would just like take all the bottles, empty bottles of water, throw them out, get new bottles of water, try to like feed somebody something, open a can of soup, like, and then lay down and sleep and then have these fucking delusions. So when I saw this movie and, you know, this kid is having these sort of like nightmares, I thought to myself, oh, is he sick? Like, well, the first time I saw it, like, oh, is he sick? Is it like a, is it like a fever dream? So let's talk about how like sort of temperature affects your brain, right? Um, It literally can produce what's called waking hallucinations. Um, and vivid imagery as well as nightmares um you know it i even read somewhere like it had said something like even some people say that if they eat spicy food that that can cause a nightmare because it, it raises the body temperature um and like your your body temperature sort of fluctuates throughout the day um but it gets really really low right before you're about to fall asleep um Then you sort of go through like that rapid eye movement, the REM, um, when most of your dreams occur and like temperature control in that moment is super poor. Like there's, it's not, it doesn't regulate well. So if you're spiking the fever, that's one of the reasons why you have these sort of like vivid, really, like I remember, you know, what's funny is I don't remember necessarily the the dreams themselves, the nightmares themselves, but I remember being fucking scared. I mean, everyone, you have a nightmare, you feel scared, but I remember feeling like terrified when I would wake up from one of these like fever dreams. Um, So when you have a fever, it can, so your body is normally like at a lower temperature before the onset of sleep, you get a fever and you're in REM and that causes like an overactivity. It's a huge manifestation of our mind, in our mind of these really scary fucked up things that maybe you're not even the type of person that like watches true crime or watches scary movies or watches whatever in the back of our mind somewhere. There's some really fucked up shit that's just waiting to pop up and scare the fuck out of you. If you have a fever that's gonna be that time when that weird shit pops up so you like you remember in the movie where he's dreaming about like his grandfather and like fucking shit's coming out of his face and like, just like really really over the top stuff so that that explains that um the hallucinations of was he sleepwalking probably did he open the door definitely did he go out and find a dog possibly he may have done all those things and sort of some kind of weird uh waking hallucination this sort of sleepwalking that he was doing because he was um he he was having the fever dreams so let's talk about some of the other uh diseases you know let's uh, let's let's talk about the biggie like the plague like the black death type plague right so there was three types of those plagues so there was bubonic pneumonic and septicemic i am definitely saying septicemic wrong i might not be but you know the symptoms for them varied and whether or not you got one versus the other would kind of give you uh, a better chance of living (laughs) you're talking about a time when hygiene was not a, a, a really big thing and you know they thought you got it from the air. Like, literally, like, this misty thing in the air. Not even, like, someone's breathing on me and I'm getting it from that person. They just thought it was, like, some kind of constellation shifted and now the plague came. So, you know, so bubonic plague. Uh, symptoms of the the plague. Fever. 100 to 106. Uh, headaches. Nausea. Vomiting. Um, you know... Uh, joint pain, so on and so forth. So if it was left untreated, if it's left untreated, I should say, because um, we we do have, like, um, some treatments for it now. It's a lot less deadly. Um, 80% of people die within, like, eight, seven or eight days of getting the bubonic plague. Um, So a lot of the accounts are, are super varied and not precise. I mean, you're talking about a time when the only people who were writing were, were priests and doctors and not the the everyday person. Um, you know, that bubonic plague is when they would have those buboes, you know, is sort of like um, I don't know, like pus pockets of whatever and they would go in like the neck, the groin and like they oozed and, um, and the armpits and they they bled when opened and um you know they it was rough and some of that in the movie you actually see like these weird patches um but i feel like if this movie was based off of the bubonic plague they would have had a better grip on it in terms of what we could do to help people because people get bubonic plague still to this day and there's treatments for it um the pneumonic plague, um, that was a very different one. This one only affected like the lungs and led to like a huge amount of um, respiratory problems. So there's fever, cough, and they would split up blood. This this plague, the pneumonic one, killed like close to 95% of the people. Like if you got pneumonic plague, um, you definitely were gonna die. To be fair if you got a fucking paper cut back then you were probably gonna die um the least least common is that septicemic uh plague um high fever purple skin patches um this one um it was so like it would hit so fast that they actually like the lymph nodes didn't even have time to swell. Basically, if you got septicemic plague, you were gonna die 100% of the time. So really what you wanted to get was bubonic plague because then you had maybe a 15% chance of living. Um, so <sighs> nobody wants the plague, but either way, I, I personally think it was like a plague-like uh, illness, which, you know, basically you would stay away from people and, you know, cover your face and wash your hands and, um, you know, uh, try to keep a clean environment. There's lots of theories as to what happened, whether it's the, the fleas on rats and then the rats in the house or uh, fleas on you because you're gross. Um, not entirely sure. But then we're gonna go into sort of the exercises that I think you can do to kind of help you through this type of movie. Um, not necessarily with the plague, plague, good hygiene, wear a mask, so on and so forth, study up on it, Um, but it was some interesting things that were happening in this movie that I took um, some notes on. So before we get into like the um, sort of exercise or physical aspects of this, let's talk about a couple of things. Uh, group dynamics and things like that clearly the issue here is that one family has access to what i assume is lots of fresh water and a small amount of food and the other family has access to much more food and livestock and not so much water so they come to depend on each other um which i think is is sorely overlooked in a lot of apocalypse survival type movies um everyone loves to think of themselves as like this lone wolf and i'm gonna be on my own doing whatever whatever but truth is you kind of need more than one or two people to to keep your shit going um them bringing those families together was probably the best thing they could have done at the time um in order to bring together the the things that they had the food and the water um The problem is, is that if you don't have a group that you trust, if you don't know them extremely well, and even if you do know them extremely well, things like this can change um, relationship dynamics very quickly. You can go very quickly from trusting someone to not trusting someone. Um, And that's a hard life to live when you feel like you constantly have to look over your shoulder. And wonder if the person that you're living with is is trying to sort of get you. Um, the other thing that was made mention in this was when they had sat down with the family and they were like, here are the rules, this is what we do. He um, was like, we, we basically only eat twice a day. We sit down for two meals um, together. And he said it's actually to have some kind of sort of normalcy. Meanwhile, he's sort of rambling on and on and on and sort of being kind of overwhelming. But... Like I said, those social cues are kind of gone right now. So, in essence, he says they eat twice a day basically just to save on food and they sit down together twice a day um, in order to sort of connect and have some kind of normalcy. They do see them, you know, sort of playing games and engaging with each other um, in in different fun ways, which I think is a a good thing for mental health wise because, you know, fitness isn't just being able to run mentally, you want to try to stay as stable as possible um you know so saying that you're going to eat twice a day to have some kind of normalcy is it's actually a really really good idea um it's also really good just not to have people sort of like going off and eating in a corner by themselves you know um it is good to check in with each other so that being said let's get into some of the fitness stuff this is a very very physical type movie they clearly have to haul water um they have to chop wood and they're kind of living off the grid they don't get a lot of background as to why um paul and his family are kind of out in the middle of nowhere um they do have guns but they don't have like you know anything extreme it appears as if he has like hunting guns and, and hunting rifles and, and and a handgun here and there, but um, they do have full respirator masks and it makes you wonder how they got those. Did they already have those stored away or did they acquire them? Um, <clears throat> you're not entirely sure. If you're kind of off the grid as is, why aren't you a little bit more set up than what it seems? They seem to have some bulk food set up. If you look at the shelf during some of the scenes, there is big bags of things, um, but when they're eating, there's very little on those plates. Um, Which makes me to believe that they just kind of were just scraping by. Um, But it was originally his house on the grandfather's property, so they've been out there for a bit. You also don't know, sort of like in conjunction with the rest of the area, where they are exactly. You don't know if they worked in town, what kind of jobs, so on and so forth. Um, You don't get a huge amount of background through the way. Um, So they have to chop wood and get water. So I came up with some really basic exercises. I love kettlebells. Um, I've been using kettlebells for going on like maybe 15, 20 years before it got really, really big. Um, I remember I had to drive two hours to a a specialty gym uh, equipment manufacturer to buy kettlebells and i actually ended up buying kettlebells for a a whole class that i was in like everyone gave me money um because it was such a big deal you couldn't even have them shipped because it was so heavy and um i've been using them for years and years and years so i always say to people if there's one thing that you can have in terms of weights whether it's you know um instead of having like fancy machines and everything else dumbbells and kettlebells i would say get yourself a good quality kettlebell in a couple of sizes and, uh, get yourself, um, either a workout poster, they have them on Amazon. Um, there's YouTube videos, just, you know, make sure you sort of vet whose videos you're watching. Um, and with kettlebells, it's really easy to sort of incorporate that into everyday, uh, fitness, whether it's, you know, you say, oh, I work out on... I do strength training Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, then you would just say, okay, well, I'm gonna throw in two or three other kettlebell exercises on top of that. So I always recommend kettlebell swings. That's like the standard. Uh, Learn how to do them well. Um, It really helps with explosive power and things like that. There's also an an exercise called uh, like the wood chopper or wood chopping. That's a kettlebell exercise that would be really good. That kind of, kind of simulates chopping wood um so that's a good one but i would say pick three exercises and just sort of build up from there like i said they have the workout posters i even have a there's a kettlebell uh, workout like deck of cards that you can literally go through It shows you how to do them they even have uh blank ones that you can set up your own programs with when you figure out what you want to sort of focus on um, you can also, if you have enough room, um, this probably wouldn't work out really well for people who live in apartments, but, you know, sledgehammer and tire, we've all seen it. Um, that's a really good full body exercise. Um, plus it gets you sort of primed for chopping wood. With the kettlebells, uh, another exercise I really love is, and you can do this with, um, dumbbells too, like you don't need specifically kettlebells for it. Um, if that's what you have, that's what you have, um... You would do a farmer's walk, which literally is like if you're holding the kettlebells or the weights, almost like they're suitcases on your sides, and you know, um, set set a timer, walk back and forth or to a certain distance for you know two or three minutes. That's gonna help out with just carrying things. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend kettlebells a lot. They're the low impact cardio. They help with grip strength, uh, explosive power, just full body strength and coordination. So, uh, in terms of this movie, that's definitely the fitness I would go for. Get yourself a good quality kettlebell. Um, some people would say too, but it depends what you're, you know financial whatever is you can get away with one there's lots of exercises you can do with one kettlebell um and you can get away with just a couple of dumbbells um in terms of doing like the farmer's walk so um there's that you know can we go into intermittent fasting and stuff with this family because they were only eating twice a day i don't think that's really why they were doing it i think it was just out of necessity you know three square meals a day is something that's a very very modern kind of thing that people think of. Um, I would say, you know, it's probably safe to start learning when your body's really hungry and judge when you're going to eat off of that, as opposed to just being like, Oh, it's, it's 8am. This is when I eat breakfast. That's not always like a good way to be. Um, you know, and the other thing that this really, this movie really focuses in on is the fact that You do need other people, and you need that socialization. Um, And you need to do other things other than just working to survive. Game night, goofing around, you know, um, life is already hard. I think even in modern times, like in the here and now, some people just don't, they don't spend enough time goofing off um, or just doing stupid stuff, playing games. Uh, playing charades I think we're we're so focused on we have to be doing something constantly um, that we forget that it's sometimes just fun to be around other people um, and I'm slowly getting used to that like with the restrictions and all that um, you know it'll it'll take time like I said I'm not really um, a people person like that so slowly working on things but Also, like my wife and I, we play that to hunt a killer thing. I am not affiliated with it whatsoever. I am not sponsored by them. I mean, they can hit me up. um, But that's one of our favorite things to do. Usually we do that on like a Saturday or a Sunday night. Do one of the, the boxes. And it's just fun to do something fun. Even though we're living in this and like the world's kind of crappy right now. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, it doesn't mean you have to be so brought down by it, and also it doesn't mean you should ignore it, but, you know, know that there's stuff going on, but also know for your own mental health that you need other people. Um, so, that being said, try to avoid the bubonic plague, get yourself some kettlebells or some dumbbells, um, learn how to chop wood, and, uh, try to rely on people. Reach out if you're feeling a a weird way. Uh, look us up on uh, Instagram at Apocalypse Fitness Podcast. Um, we also have a Facebook group. Um, there's also a Gmail Apocalypse Fitness Podcast at gmail.com. Patreon Apocalypse uh, Fitness Podcast, and um, feel free to donate if you have uh, a little extra you want to throw my way to get better equipment and things like that. And is that all I feel like all I ever do is forget to remind you guys to like find me in the world of social media I'm like the worst at it but uh yeah don't get the plague and don't like get weird with other people because you haven't been able to socially interact with people because there's been a plague um and get kettlebells alright guys take care